We continue our breakdown of Bob McKenzie's rankings. We'll talk through picks 33 through 80 and honorable mentions, some standouts there. We'll get into that on this episode of Locked On NHL Prospects, your team every day. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Haddock Kalakash, joined by Sebastian High, and on today's show, we'll be breaking down picks 33 through 80 and the honorable mentions in Bob McKenzie's midseason rankings for the 2024 NHL Draft. We've, we've picked out some standouts from uh, this range. We've got eight players per segment to go through, and we'll kind of break that down for you, let you know what um, the hype is all about with some specific prospects, players that we've identified as well as being too high or too low, um, and some midseason steals potentially for your team that we can talk through. Um, before I get into any of that, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms, of pl- terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. If you are watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next and what your thoughts are on these rankings. Make sure to make us your first listen of the day if you're watching on your favorite podcasting platform and leave a rate and review. It helps the channel out a lot. So let's get right into it here with uh, pick number 33, the first pick of the second round. We've got an overager. We've got Jesse Polkinen, uh, the Swedish left-handed defenseman who's six foot six. I did not say Swedish. That's my bad. Uh, he is Finnish. Uh, the Finnish left-handed defenseman, six foot six, 200 and some pounds, and just raw skill and just uniqueness. There's such a uniqueness to his skill set, right? He's not a conventional six foot six defender. In, in no sense of the word is Jesse Polkinen conventional in his uh, development trajectory or in his actual style of play. He is tremendously rangy. He takes up a ton of space, which makes him a really quite effective transition defender. And uh, he, like he, he keeps a really tight gap. He really makes the most of his of his size and his range. Like he he's not like a player that's going to like blow forwards up with massive hits, but he's going to smother them into the boards and just extinguish plays that way. But he's at his best with a puck on a stick, which is not what you really expect for a six foot six defenseman. He's really, really slick with the puck and has really strong handling abilities. Really. He's so, so composed. Like the composure against like pretty heavy pressure is really like, far and away his biggest his biggest asset and it allows him to really leverage all of his tools to create advantages and he's a fascinating player and one that i'm very happy to see this high on bob mckenzie's board for sure then we go to 34 we've got nikita artomanov who i think is a really well-rounded really skillful player who's been playing full-time in the khl right now and has 18 points in 41 games as a as an 18 year old you rarely see that but obviously the khl has changed a lot but there's still so much to love about Artomanov's game. His work rate is really solid. His defensive positioning is really solid. I think his playmaking is really impressive. Um, he can get it to dirty areas and score those garbage goals like you want him to. Um, I think he's a solid bet to become an NHLer. And he has some offensive upside as well. So there's a lot to love there. Um, I want to mention really quickly as well at 35, Maxim Mousset, the first QMJHL player off the board here on, on Bob McKenzie's list. 
I don't even think is the best QMJHL player. Um, I would have him lower than this. The player he has ranked 74th, and we'll get to that in a minute, who I think is better than him. Um, but moving on to 36, Michael Hage out of the Chicago Steel in the USHL. I'd say the most one of the most mature players in the USHL. A really composed player who loves to cut to cut to the middle um, is comfortable with a player just draped on his back and with sticks in in, in the vicinity of, of of his stick handling is still able to make high level plays. And I think that's a very small detail that goes a very long way if you're trying to reach Yanni Chell. Um, after that, Leo Salin Valenius at 38th overall is very interesting. Um, I, I think that his game has developed a bit, but there's still some questions about his overall. Um, offensive ability and upside, right? I mean, I, I love the offensive ability. I think that the offensive ability is kind of the crux of his value. And yeah. he's a tremendous skater. Like he has a lot of the the, the check boxes that people look for in like, especially Swedish defensemen in that second round range where he is so mobile, really, really agile and can really like, attack with a ton of pace and a lot of creativity. The defensive game lacks the, the type of control that you would really hope to see in a player that's kind of ranked in this like borderline first round range. But uh, he's still he, he's definitely progressing as the season's going on, and uh, I, I'd I'd love to to be bullish enough on him to keep him inside my first round come draft day because he's so much fun. Uh, one more defenseman I want to mention who's right before him actually in these rankings, Henry Muse at thirty seven. He is a player that I think is a bit more interesting than Leo Selly and Villenius. He has a similar element of, of, of fluidity and, and mobility and, and overall puck handling skill, but he adds a lot more uh, control to his game. And he's really, really quite like, like cerebral in how he approaches the game. I think he's, he's a bit too conservative considering how good his toolkit really is. He holds himself back a little bit in the offensive zone, but if you're trying to look for an, a 200-foot, highly intelligent, highly mobile defenseman with a decent offensive ceiling if he really gets to work on those skills at a higher pace in the next couple seasons of development, I think that Henry Muse could actually be a really intriguing first-round option, let alone a second. For sure. And what's really interesting is, you know, from 37 to 42, you've got six defensemen. Um, let's start off with the next two here. I think EJ Emery is uh, is really interesting here at 39th overall, a big right-handed defenseman who I think is one of the best in this class at defending the rush. Um, the way he closes gaps defensively and just cut, just forces you to the outside no matter what is so useful. Um, and he's been really, really good for the NTDP in that sense. But he's not a big producer. He's not a, a player with necessarily the highest offensive upside. So I get him being outside of the first round. Um, but I think there's some up, untapped offensive upside here as well. I think he can develop into at least a 30-point guy at the NHL level who excels defensively. And there's a, there's always room for that in NHL teams or lineups. Um, at 40, real quick, we've got Matvey Shurevin um, of, uh, the, uh, of the Moscow program in the MHL. Really mobile, really poised defenseman. Um, but another player whose offensive game hasn't really translated as well. He's got seven points in 20 MHL games, which is Russia's junior league. And yeah, there's there's some questions there, but teams are going to love the skating and the composure and the defensive ability. I think that combination is going to work fairly well. Um, but what I found really interesting here, the contrast between EJ Emery and Cole Hudson at 41st overall. Cole Hudson is Lane Hudson's brother, another defenseman, kind of undersized um, really skillful offensively. The points have been coming recently, but it took a while. And I don't, I feel like he's a more muted version of Lane Hudson, which is not what you want. You want, you want your offensive players to be whatever the opposite of muted is. You want them at full volume, if you will. Um, and yeah, I mean, Hudson for me, 
I just don't see what I saw from Lane Hudson in his draft year that could make him a, a top a top twenty, top twenty five pick in my in my mind. I just there's a, a lot of restriction and reserve to his game, especially offensively. He tends to just default to simple plays, whereas Lane Hudson was always looking for the third or fourth option, right? So that's the thing that's lacking in Cole's game. But I think just like Lane, Cole is probably going to grow an inch or two after his, he gets drafted. Maybe teams bet on that and, and see if that improves his game, but I have my reservations. And then at 42nd overall, a player that you think could grow into a top 20 role um, in this draft with time. Um, talk me through Dominic Badinka's game. He's he's a really interesting one. He has the profile that I think that NHL scouts are really going to to like more and more and more as we get closer to the draft. He's a really mobile six foot three right shot defenseman who uh, has shown some really bright flashes of, of, of passing in transition as a breakout passer in the offensive zone. I've been seeing a lot of quite like impressive fluidity in his roles. He's really switching positions with line mates and he's really like on the cycle, quite dynamic uh, for what you would expect from a, a, a big six foot three defenseman. And oh, yeah. while the offensive tools themselves still need some, some work and the handling specifically, I, th- I think still needs some work. I've seen enough similarities to David Reinbacher from like November of last year before he became a consensus first rounder to be relatively hopeful with him but I still need to log a few more viewings before I'm able to entrench my my bullish take on him but he's really impressed me recently and he's playing pretty big minutes in the SHL with Malmer which is just another green flag for a prospect too. Absolutely, for sure. But that wraps things up for our first segment. Then we'll get into our second. We will break down some more prospects. Uh, this time from the forty-two range onwards. Uh, we'll get into the, their games, and we'll start off with uh, Steon Solberg. We had a fantastic uh, World Juniors tournament. Right after these messages from our sponsors over at Sleeper. We are driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. It's actually to match, and you can match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. They're a great matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. One of of the things I loved about Indeed when I used it in order to get a job um, was that it's so user-friendly. It's really easy to, to get a hold of companies, to, to send in your application, and to make sure that companies know that you're a great match for their company. And it helps you really kind of sift through the mess and choose a job that makes sense. The qualifications are clear and obvious. Um, they make sure that you know exactly what your pay range is. And overall, make it really easy for, for, for me as, a, as an employee to get, uh, to get hired. So I can only imagine how easy it is for the people actually offering up those jobs um, to, to find quality people for their for their job there. So listeners to this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash locked on. So you just go to Indeed.com slash locked on right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Again, that's Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply, but if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment here, we'll break down the uh, basically the end of the second round and one third round pick. Let's get into it right away with at 45 overall, we've got Steon Solberg. 
uh, who played a fantastic tournament for Norway and really came out of a shell in that tournament and showed the world that, you know, there's some quality there. And, you know, we were talking about some of the prospects that are in this range uh, among defensemen. And, I, you know, between him, Thomas Galvis, Daniel Stinkov, Leon Mugli, all four of which played on defense at the World Juniors, you mentioned Stian Solberg being the first one of those four that you would take. Um, talk me through what you liked and what makes him such a quality option here at 45. He's really solid. He's quite a dependable player. I, I like the foundation that he has right now. I think there's a lot to build up from, from where he is as a player right now. And especially playing professional hockey in Norway, which is not the best professional league to watch from, from personal experience. It, is, it can be a bit of a slog uh, because there's just like an abundance of time and space. But at the World Juniors, he really showed off just how vicious and violent he likes to be on the ice. He's he's really physical. He make, does everything in his power to disincentivize uh, rushers entering the zone on his side of the ice. And on top of that, there's a level of, of passing ability and offensive perhaps not creativity, but a good sense for the game in the offensive zone and how to distribute the puck and where to get it and, and how to shift his own position uh, to kind of create space for his teammates that I liked a lot. I think that there's a decent amount of room to grow offensively, but uh, I think the one thing with him is that the handling ability is a bit of a limitation. Like his, his on-puck game, especially in transition, isn't the strongest, but yeah. there's a rock-solid foundation here for like a number four defenseman in the NHL long term that I think is really quite interesting. For sure. Fully agreed. Uh, the only thing that really holds me back with Solberg is I saw a lot of turnovers coming out of his own. And yeah. for a player who's going to be spending a lot of time recovering pucks behind his net, you kind of want him to improve on that. But maybe reps sure. will help him kind of figure that out. But at 48th overall, a player that I was astounded to see at, at this range because it seems like every NHL team uh, or, or every 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 scout that's connected with NHL scouts um, seems to just have him in the first round as an automatic type thing. And that's Adam Yeko, a massive center playing uh, with, I believe, Edmonton right now. Uh, yes, the Edmonton yeah. Oil Kings. Um, he's been playing on the wing uh, as of recently, and I think that's kind of hurt his stock because teams saw him as a center at the start of the year, but it's become clear and clearer that he's not a player that necessarily supports play. He's mainly a complementary player. I feel like the wing will help him kind of bring that out of his game, but he's, I mean, he's 6'5", 200 pounds, um, protects pucks really well, uh, uses his physicality well as well along the boards. Um, he's under a point a game right now uh, in the WHL, which can contribute to that. Um, I still think a, one or two NHL teams might have him in their top 20. I don't see it. I don't see him as necessarily an intelligent or supportive player off the puck. Um and on the puck, he's fairly meat and potatoes. He'll just go to the net, drive it, drop the shoulder, that kind of thing. And sure, that works when you're 6'5", 200 pounds in the WHL. I just, what does he do when that competitive advantage disappears is where I'm kind of curious to see that going. Um, at 49th, we've got Leon Mugli as well. Um, Leon Mugli has, I mean, I've heard his name time and time again. Whenever I talk to anyone who's related to the NHL, I would not be surprised to see him go very early in the second round at least. Um, but I had my reservations watching him at the World Juniors. There were some big questions in this game. Then at 50th overall, we have Alphonse Frey, a player that we're both big fans of and see as a bona fide first rounder, like top 25. Um, talk me through his game and why, why teams might be a bit sourer on him than we are. He's a highly dynamic offensive defenseman, and that that can can scare the bejesus out of a lot of scouts. But yeah. 
uh, but but he's a ton of fun and really creative he he takes control of the game at the j20 level like very few defensemen that i see in that league and he's exceptionally yeah. confident with the puck on his stick he's a really strong puck handler he's a really great great passer he's a true dual threat in transition which makes him really quite adaptable and and, and deceptive in that facet of the game yeah. as a puck rusher he consistently switches lanes to try to get into the offensive zone and buy himself some space and time once he gets there so his teammates can catch up really intelligent really creative really skillful the defensive game has been improving as the season's gone on but it's not his biggest strength and while he's able to match his footwork uh foot the footwork of forwards off the rush quite well uh, because he is such a great skater the gap control can kind of fade a little bit as like the game wears on the more the more tired he gets the less sophisticated it gets and that's yeah. kind of the case for a lot of his defensive habits but while he remains quite raw i think that that the the raw upside with this player is really quite high and and entrenches him in my personal first round for sure uh moving on to 52nd overall i've highlighted thomas lavoie out of the uh, cap breton program in the qfjhl i mean i i kind of see why teams are interested he's a really good defensive player um clears a net front with with violence and aggression you very rarely i mean as a goalie you like this kind of player because you'll always see the puck when he's on the ice right but there's just, I mean, he's half a point a game with QMJHL right now as a six foot three and a half, two hundred and twenty pound defenseman. You can kind of see the simplistic elements to his game. I, I, he's one of the QMJHL players that have that have watched a decent amount of enough that I can have a good idea of how he plays. And I mean, I, I just don't see much top sixty four value. He's a great option in the third and fourth round because I mean, you can see a path to the NHL, but. I don't know. I just it, it's it's a bit of a curious selection there, especially having him above Thomas Galvish, who had a really good World Juniors, um, and Thomas Galvish is fifty third overall. Um, they're very different players, obviously. Thomas Galvis is a, an undersized, uh, dynamic defenseman, whereas Davois is this big guy who loves to clear the net front. Um, but for me, there's just more upside, and I see the draft as an opportunity to to take big swings, right? So that's my kind of perception on it. Uh, but then at 60th overall, we have the son of a former uh, legend in Montreal. We've got Atos Koivu, the son of Saku Koivu. Um, talk me through his game, because uh, a lot of Haps fans are really curious about what he brings to the game. He's been a big riser in the last couple of months. He wasn't projected to be a really high-end prospect in, in this draft, but he's been steadily yeah. climbing the ranks. He's second in, in in the U20 league in Finland in terms of points per game among draft-eligible forwards, and uh, he is a really, really good power play scorer. His one-timer is a real threat, threat uh, really solid wrist shot. I don't think either tool is like necessarily like a super elite or like extremely high-end tool, but it is like quite a standout in his toolkit. Uh, he's yeah. a decent puck handler, especially his first touch is is really quite solid. And even at the legal level, he was able to create more space for himself with his first puck touch upon upon receiving the puck compared to like veterans in the league, which I thought was quite impressive. But the mental pace is still a little bit lagging behind because he's really just been accelerating up the ranks of competition and hasn't quite been able to catch up mentally to his his tools, which are really carrying him up into that 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 Liga level in terms of getting three games now at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, he's quite interesting. I think for me personally, more of like a third or fourth round projected uh, prospect than a second rounder, but a ton of fun. Absolutely. Um, speaking of fun, 61st overall, we've got Miguel Marquez, who for me is a first rounder. 
Um, so I was astounded to see him this low. He's a great goal scorer. He's a great off puck mover. His playmaking is really, really interesting. The, 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 the offensive tools are really fun, but on top of that, he's got an energy to him that's contagious. Um, he doesn't really back check as much and doesn't really get involved defensively as much as I wish he would, but there's still enough offensive tools here to make a really good player. And I think in terms of him making a middle six and being a kind of complimentary player offensively to a, a more a more transition-driven player, I think that's a very realistic possibility. So seeing him at 61st in this draft is pretty surprising to me. And then at 64th uh, as well, John Mustard, one of the best names of the draft, um, he plays for the Waterloo Blackhawks in the USHL. Um, and he's he plays a bit more of that power forward style, which I like. He's got more energy as well than, than Miguel Marquez. But I think that they're in similar ranges in terms of overall upside and quality of player. Um, with Mustard, I mean, you know you're getting the most out of him on every shift. He tries really, really hard on forecheck, on the back check, um, but he's really comfortable on the puck. And one thing that stood out for me that I was really surprised with was his playmaking. I mean, he's got 15 assists in 31 games right now, which doesn't seem like a lot. But when you watch him in game, he's connecting with teammates really well. His teammates are just not putting the puck in. Um, and last but not least, a player that you're a big fan of, uh, Andre Koch here at 66 overall. Talk me through his game. He's a really solid defensive winger, and I really quite like his his upside as a possession-driving winger. He's yeah. not going to be a high-end goal scorer or a, a raw playmaker who's creating chances uh, at every turn, but he is a player that's going to protect possession. He's quite solid in transition in terms of just gaining the zone rather than maybe creating rush chances, but gaining the, the zone with control and waiting for his teammates to catch up and then retaining possession. And he's really like bread and butter, real solid in the defensive zone he can sometimes drop into the center role of really dropping down low to support his defenseman when his center is more of a, a high octane offensive player and overall adds a lot of versatility to a lineup especially in the bottom half of one he's not a player that really has high end top six potential but as a reliable bottom six uh possession winger and defensive specialist and pk specialist i quite like his upside but this is probably like the lower end of his range at 66 but it is still firmly within what i find reasonable reasonable for him absolutely and that wraps things up for our second segment and we'll get into our third where we break down the last picks uh of uh the ranking that we found interesting here for bob mckenzie uh we'll go through the uh the rest of the top 80 and then two honorable mentions right after these messages from our sponsors over at ebay motors It's almost the halfway point of the NHL season, and regardless of where your team sits in the standings, you can still get in on the action with Sleeper, which is our number one choice for your daily fantasy hockey app of choice here at the Locked On NHL Network. That's because you get to win 100 times your money on Sleeper, and all you have to do to do so is correctly predict the outcome of eight specific player stats. And you can get creative with those, whether you want to bet on the stars of the league to keep producing whether it be Nikita Kucherov getting another three assists in a game, or I don't know, Nathan McKinnon getting a Gordie Howe hat trick, the choice is yours. So use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Alrighty, so closing things off here with the uh, the rest of the uh, third round and two honorable mentions to name and also one big omission from these rankings here uh, on Bob McKenzie's 2024 NHL Draft midseason rankings. We'll start off at 67th overall, and for me, the biggest the the biggest shock 
uh, of these rankings, and I really don't yeah. get it. Luke Misa is ranked 67th overall. This does Very not low. make sense to me because we just talked in, in last episode about Jet Lachenko being ranked in the top 32, whereas Luke Misa for me has everything he has and more. Um, I don't understand this one. This just doesn't make sense on any level. I don't understand why teams aren't interested in Misa as a player. I think he's currently leading all draft eligibles and and points in the OHL, or second behind Zane Perek or something like that. Like it, it's a head and head race between those two. Yeah, and yeah, I mean he he's he's insane. Like the pace is ridiculous. I mean he's one of the fastest skaters in the OHL, uh, but also he thinks at that level. He makes plays at that level. Um, he's he not too the fast puck at that level. Exactly. Like there's there, the skill level is there, the pace is there, the defensive ability is there, the effort level is there. Like what is he missing that? teams want to lay like apart from size but like like i said jet lachenko is the exact same size as luke misa and uh, it just doesn't make sense <laughs> right but for me another another player I'm, I'm really i mean i'm interested in kind of seeing a bit more of this year is, is teddy stiga here at 20 at 68th overall uh stiga plays in the ntdp um alongside you know cole eiserman and those guys and um camille bednarik his teammate is ranked way higher than him i think he's in the 40s um, whereas for me, Teddy Stiga is a more interesting of the two because Stiga has an, an, a standout offensive trait, his playmaking. Camille Bednarik is a well-rounded player, a player who excel, who doesn't excel at anything, but is really good in multiple areas. Whereas Stiga, yes, he has his weaknesses, but he has an, a standout offensive tool that you can build around and make a very interesting offensive player. Um, I think Stiga's value is a bit higher than 68th overall. Um, but it's not a major, major difference like it is with Luke Misa. Like Luke Misa is in my top twenty. This, that one's a shocker. Um, we follow that up with two goaltenders. The first goaltender's ranked. We have Carter George at seventy, and Ryan Leanders at seventy-two. I'm surprised to see him in this order. Like I'm not shocked to see them outside the top sixty-four. I don't think a lot of teams are high on on, on the goaltenders from this class. But for me, Ryan Leanders is is a decent length ahead of Carter George in terms of overall upside. Leanders has been fantastic in the OHL with Mississauga. Has made some key saves at big moments. Has been really calm and composed in net while still being able to ramp it up when the puck starts going left and right and he needs to kind of get a bit excited in net. He's able to do that. Whereas with Carter George, I see a bigger player, a bigger goaltender. Um, you know, he plays bigger, I'd say. There's the same size, but Carter George looks bigger at net. And I think that's, I think, the only thing that teams will look for um, in the goaltenders from this class. So we'll see how that works out. But at 73rd overall, a player that our Finnish scout at Dauber Prospect is a big fan of, Vetti Weissen, and who's been playing, like, full-time in, in the Finnish Liga, right? In the in the Pro League? Yeah, he's been playing a lot of minutes against professional competition, and Andy yeah. Carvin has been quite a big fan of him for quite a while. And I, I've caught a couple of viewings recently that I thought were were solid, but but all of them are kind of more painting the picture of a second to third round talent. This is a player who is a decent enough skater, uh, does a, does a, a, a variety of things quite well, but he's a little bit a victim of the jack of all trades syndrome as well in terms of, of defensemen and, and playing against professional competition that can really help him right now. But in terms of long-term projection, that might add a little bit of complexity to just what he can become at the NHL level. But the intelligence is a, is a decent foundation there for him. And I've liked him in flashes, but as a whole, I still have a few questions. But right here in the 70s range is, is perfectly comfortable and likely also so the lower end of, of where I think he should he should go at the draft. 
Absolutely. And that brings me to 74, a player with another player with a big difference between Bob McKenzie's rankings and mine on, on this player. Um, I mentioned earlier uh, in the episode when we were talking about Maxim Malsey that there's a QMJHL player I like more than him and I think is a better player. This is this is the player. It's, he's, his name is Raoul Bollard. Um, he plays, I believe, with Bécomo in the uh, QMJHL, and he has been ridiculous um he's a great goal scorer like the goal scoring metrics are off the charts um he puts the puck in the net constantly and and has a really heavy really accurate shot and he creates a lot of expected goals by just driving the net constantly taking shots from down low like he's not afraid of these of these scenarios um offensively he's about average size at about six foot 185 pounds um and again really good at putting the puck in the back of the net but he's also got a playmaking touch he's also able to connect plays but the main thing that makes him better than 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 maxim mouse in my opinion is just the maturity in his game there's such a developed element of just he has such great habits, such great decision making. He's he, he plays almost instinctually, but does it extremely well at a high level. And I think that's really the difference maker for me with with Raúl Um Overall, Maxim Mosse has some big questions in his game. I don't think he scans nearly enough um, for for his current level, and it's gonna just gonna get worse as he climbs the ranks. Whereas Raúl Bolaj has his head on on a swivel. He's constantly taking taking in the surroundings and evaluating what's going on around him. So, for me, I mean, there's no question between the two. Um, but understand the reservations. He's under a point of game right now in the queue, which doesn't look too good. Obviously, he's not the most well-surrounded, but overall, I, I think that if you look at their games in isolation, Raul Bolov is a lot more NHL translatable than Maxim Malsey, even though Maxim Malsey is bigger, stronger, a better puck protector. For me, Bolov just has so much in terms of the details of his game that just make him stand out massively compared to, to Malsey. Um, we still have two honorable mentions to mention. Um, first and foremost, we have Gabe Frasca. Um, Frasca's been interesting. Um, you know, he, he's a he's a fairly linear uh, player. Um, he, pl- he plays forward in, in a very interesting way, and he just came back from a major injury um, at the start of the season. He played his first game about a month ago, and... Yeah, I mean, he's been very interesting. He takes pucks to the net. He drives the net every chance he gets um, and takes a lot of shots from close around the net. So he's an interesting player. I think he might be better off as a, as a you know, se- like early second round player, but it's not a major enough difference that I'm, I'm complaining here. Um, and last but not least, in terms of the players that are ranked or, or close to be ranked by uh, by Bob McKenzie here, we have Danilo Stinkov as an honorable mention. What do you think about this? I think it's it, it's kind of his range, like maybe a bit lower. Like I think that he likely should have been ranked inside that, that top seventy four. Um, but but uh, yeah, I, I think he's he's solid. He's a very mobile defenseman that I thought shone quite brightly for Switzerland at the World Junior Championship. Definitely outplayed Leon Mugli in my viewings of that team, and I know that that, that you concur with that with that takeaway, but. Uh, he, he he's quite fun. I think the mobility is very much the crux of, of what makes him intriguing and interesting. And there's still a lot to build on top of that, that foundation uh, to, to really make him a projectable and impactful NHL talent uh, given a couple of years, but yeah. he, he's quite interesting. And I think that he definitely deserved an honorable mention at the very least in this ranking. Oh, for sure. And a player who wasn't even mentioned as an honorable mention, despite there being about 20 of them, um, yeah. Clark Caswell is not ranked inside Bob McKenzie's top 100, and I don't understand it. Like he's 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 a mid second rounder for me right now. Um, a player who's really good defensively, but also very skilled offensively. He's able to make plays in transition fairly well. So to see him not even the, in the top 100 when I have him close to 40 and in, in my rankings, 
is a shocker to me. And I'll check him out a bit more in detail to see if there's anything in his game that could really keep him out of this conversation in the top 100. But so far, there's nothing I've seen from Claswell in the four or five games I've scouted of him that I disliked. Like he's he's very he's very complete as a player, but also has the offensive skill set, the playmaking ability, and the stick handling to make it work offensively as well. So this one's a shocker. Uh, but that wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And make sure to make us your first listen of the day if you're watching on your favorite podcasting platform. And please leave us a rate and review. It helps the channel out a lot. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Lockdown Sports Today, the Gallery News and updates of what was going on around the sporting world. And make sure to tune in for our next show as we discuss the 2025 NHL Draft's top prospects already. Yes, I know, it's January. Doesn't matter. We like prospects, so we're going to be scouting the 2025 class a bit and giving you an update on them. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.